Join with me for the next few minutes as I leave with you a message that the Lord has laid in my heart. Today I am continuing a short series of messages that I have entitled An Expose of Certain False Gospels. Now we've already looked at the false gospel that's called the moralistic gospel. We've also looked at the legalistic gospel, the prosperity gospel, the seeker-sensitive gospel, and of course the false sacramental gospel. Today I want to add to this series by thinking about the perfectionist gospel. And immediately some of you have your ears pricked up and you're asking yourself, the perfectionist gospel. I've never heard of that one, Mr. McLaughlin. Well, let me tell you, if I call it by its proper name, the false, sinless, perfection gospel. You see, there are certain preachers in the land and they call people to repentance and they urge them to exercise faith in Jesus Christ. And they call upon those people to testify to the saving and keeping power of Jesus Christ. They profess to believe, like I do, that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, as revealed in the Scriptures alone, to the glory of God alone. But they add to the Gospel. They tell the people that have professed faith in Christ that you can individually, by your own effort and power, reach a plateau where in the Christian life you never ever sin in thought, in word, and in deed. That is what I'm calling the false, sinless perfection gospel. Let me tell you a little story. Charles Haddon Spurgeon had a man visit him one time. The man was staying over. They had good fellowship that night after a preaching service. And before bed, the man confessed to Spurgeon that he had never sinned in 20 years. Spurgeon went to bed thinking about that. The man went off to his room, no doubt, said his prayers, read his Bible, worshipped and praised the Lord before he slept, got up and did the same in the morning, and then came to the room for breakfast. While they were having breakfast, Spurgeon deliberately spilled some porridge on the man's head. I don't know the quantity, but there were some. And the man lost his temper. And Charles Haddon Spurgeon, being the man that he was, he started to laugh. And he said this, Brother, you've just sinned your first sin in 20 years. I, I want to tell you that this false sinless perfection gospel is neither biblical, it's certainly not in line with historical Christianity, and it is not true experientially. Let me tell you why it's not true biblically, historically, and experientially. For this reason, it's got a wrong definition of sin. You see, these type of preachers that tell people you need to be saved, and that's right, and I agree with that. And I also tell them that they need to be sanctified, because the Bible says this is the will of God, even your sanctification. The Bible calls upon uh, true believers to avoid fornication. But I want to add this. These preachers 
tell the individuals that they can reach a place in the Christian life where they never sin in thought and word and deed. Now, these individual preachers, sadly, many of them believe in what we call a general depravity, not a total depravity. The Reformed faith believes in a total depravity. The will is dead to God. The understanding is darkened. There's no light. The the affections are diseased. There's no goodness or desire after God. There's none that seeketh after God. But a man with a general depravity, that individual has a spark of good in him. That individual has a chink of light in him. And and because they have a wrong definition of sin, you see, our catechism says sin is any want of conformity unto a transgression of the law of God. But if you don't start out with a proper definition of sin, then your gospel message can be skewed uh, further down the line. And you can, of course, um, ignore certain things as sin and not call them sins, but call them infirmities. And that's the difference in uh, uh, certain preachers today. They don't call certain things sin. They call them just an infirmity. But, but I want to tell you this gospel is false because they have a false premise in relation to the doctrine of sin. They also have a false premise when it comes to uh, how to be saved. Uh, because, of course, uh, we believe in the total depravity of all men. We, we believe in the uh, unconditional election. Uh, we believe in the particular atonement of Christ, that Christ died to accomplish eternal salvation, that, that Christ paid the eternal price for his elect people given to him from before the foundation of the world, uh, a number that no man can number of every tribe, tongue, and nation under heaven. Uh, and, of course, the Spirit of God works a miracle in that individual and gives that individual the grace that enables that individual to lay hold on Christ. Even the faith that he believes in Christ is a gift. The Bible says, For by grace he is saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And it's very important that we understand the difference. And of course, the fifth thing that we stand for is the perseverance of the saints. But you see, these preachers forget that individuals had no part in their uh, first birth. They had no part in their conception. They, they, they had no part at all in, in uh, that uh, physical life. Uh, and neither do they have any part in the uh, second birth. Jesus said, marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. And the problem, of course, with many of these uh, uh, preachers who preach this uh, false sinless perfection gospel, they have a wrong view of how to be saved because they believe that because people have a spark of goodness in them uh, and a chink of light, that that enables them to um, somehow, by their own effort and by their own power, overcome uh, all these uh, sins of thought and word and deed, uh, and even the power to have victory over these certain infirmities uh, that they don't really call uh, sin. Uh, But let's remember these other uh, individuals add to that by teaching the doctrine of saved and lost. And you can be in Christ this day, and because of willful sin, repetitive sin, a serious sin, you can take yourself out of Christ, and you can end up lost and go to hell. Um, the, the, the Bible doesn't teach that. And, and I want to emphasize, you see, that there's a difference uh, on how to be saved. And um, I, I want to make it clear there's another difference, and the other difference ties in then to a false view of sanctification. I believe in holiness of life. 
I believe that it's the will of God, even our sanctification. Everyone that Jesus Christ truly justifies, John Calvin said, he also truly sanctifies. That means he separates a part unto himself. And that individual, he has no confidence in his own flesh. He, He remembers the words of Christ, without me, I can do nothing. And living out the Christian life, he doesn't do it in his own strength or power. Like Paul, he says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me, but it's Christ that gives the strength. It's strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power in patience and long suffering with joyfulness, as Colossians 1 verse 11 tells us. And the, the truth of the matter is that that particular individual, um, he strives purposefully to live a holy life unto God, but he never does it perfectly. You see, the word perfectly gets mentioned a number of times in the New Testament. You may think to yourself and ask, well, what does this word perfectly mean? It just means wholeheartedness. It means being uh, absolutely, totally committed. And you see, the individual who's no confident in the flesh will utterly abandon himself to God. It will be God first. It'll be God at the center. It'll be for me to live as Christ and, and to die as gain. And there'll be a hatred in his heart for sin. And there'll be a love for righteousness. But but he will know that even though he strives purposely uh, towards um, the uh, life of holiness, he never will do it perfectly. He never have perfect love. He never have perfect justice. He never have perfect mercy. He never have perfect grace in his heart. Those belong to Jesus Christ exclusively. And that individual who's found in Christ is legally declared righteous in Christ. And not only has he got the imputation of Christ's righteousness and Christ's righteousness implanted within him in the new birth, but it's being imparted. It's a process. Uh, of a crisis and a process, a crisis and a process, a crisis and a process, all the way to glory. But he's never, ever perfect this side of eternity. So there's no such thing as a perfect entire sanctification where the sin principle is eradicated and that individual is so dead to sin that that he he, uh, never, ever sins. That's not what the Bible teaches. We're, we're, We're dead to sin through faith. But remember, remember, the, 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 the truth of the matter is this, that um, in Christ, we're, we're still falling far short of God's absolute standard. And it's only in Christ that, that God receives us. I, I urge you to consider these matters. They're very, very important. This little series on exposing these false gospels, please take them to heart. If you haven't listened to the other thumbnails, please do so. Why? Because your eternal soul and your eternal destiny um, matters upon what you hear and the way that you hear it. I I urge you to listen. I I urge you to think the thing through very carefully. And if we can be of any help to you, if I can be of any help, then we commend you to God at this time. The Lord bless you and thank you for listening. Amen.